OP episode 51. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys were here for the last episode, but if you were uh, happened to tune in for that episode, thank you. Um, I had my brother on here. It, it was kind of a bit of a celebration at the time, uh, episode 50. Um, it's been a little over two years. It was exciting to be able to, uh, well, I don't know if it's been over two years, but it's been almost two years since the show started. And this has been kind of a, an awesome thing for me. So if you are here as a new listener, then thank you for coming back and continuing to listen. Hopefully you went back and listened to some old episodes. Uh, but, you know, if you didn't, at least you're here with us now. And those of you who have been with us for a while, the train just keeps going, baby. Uh, I want to let you guys know about a couple of things. Pretty pretty cool before I get started here. Um, now on Thursdays on Deviant Behavior Radio, I am doing a show called Toxic. Uh, but it's right now it says Toxic Tunes and Trends, which in reality, that's what it's supposed to be. We had our first live show uh, Thursday night, this previous Thursday night. Now we had some things we have to work out because it ended up cutting off a little earlier than it was supposed to. But nonetheless, uh, I'm playing music of all sorts, um, metal, rap, rock, punk, uh, more aggressive music for the most part. But, uh, you know, it's fun. It's a fun time. Uh, it will be a lot more fun, especially once we work out the kinks. But uh, I'm really excited to be able to be doing that. So you guys be sure to tune into that at 9 p.m. on Thursday nights. Uh, and, of course, I'm not sure where you're listening to this right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you happen to be listening to it via a DSP and you're uh, just going and clicking and listening to this episode of the podcast... If you would like to hear a new episode before it shows up on the DSPs every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Deviant Behavior Radio, Organic Poison will be playing a new episode every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, starting this with this episode. <laughs> uh, I don't have a guest today. and My reasoning for not having a guest is not because of the fact that uh, I couldn't get one, which, you know would have been an issue in the past, but I actually have a bit of a story that I want to tell you guys about, something that, uh, basically what's been going on in my life for the past two weeks, uh, mainly for the past, for a week ago, the week before last, uh, was a pretty crazy week for me. Um, <clears throat> my mother passed away, uh, Roxanne, and, uh, it was, it was really tough. Um, you know, I, I just, I just lay it out for you the way, the way that it, it happened. Um, you know, I got a phone call from my brother on Monday. Uh, and you know, I'm not saying that me and my brother don't talk that often, but it would be very odd to say that he would call me at nine o'clock in the morning while I'm at work and while he's working. And he called me to tell me that my mom had had a heart attack, a severe heart attack. So... Uh, you know, that's that's shocking, that's unfortunate, and then, you know, find out she's on life support, and, uh, you know, don't really know how to deal with it, you know, at, at the state of the, at the moment, I just didn't really feel anything, and uh, those of you who don't know, I, m me and my mother and my father have had, a, I don't want to say an estranged relationship, but they got a divorce when we were kids when we were teenagers really like I was 14 or I had just turned 14 when they got their divorce 
And uh, shortly after that, I went to go live with my aunt and uncle, who some of you know, some of you don't. But, uh, and they more or less raised me through my teenage years. You know, I say that, you know, they, they, they helped guide me until I just found myself doing whatever it was that I wanted to do. But a uh, weird situation, but nonetheless, uh, they more or less became the guardians of me. Like, they gained guardianship of me. Uh, I digress. Over the years, I've rekindled my relationship with both of my parents and, you know, so forth and so what, you know. But, uh, so it was kind of weird. It was a weird feeling. You know, my mom lived out in Texas, West Texas, uh, with her husband, Tom. Shout out to Tom. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, they, they were, I believe they were on the way fishing or they were on their way home for fishing and she had fallen asleep and she just wouldn't wake up. So, uh, so she went on, uh, she, she was on life support. My brother, when he called me, he was very upset, understandably so. And, um, I made a few phone calls and the next thing you know, by two o'clock that afternoon, I'm about to get on a plane to go out to West Texas. Uh, to meet Steven in Houston and then fly further out to Midland, Texas. Um, and mind you, all this happened like Monday was two days, three days after mine and his episode of this podcast aired online, by the way. Um, so anyway, uh, so Right before I get on the airplane, my Stephen calls me and tells me that uh, she didn't make it. Which, to be fair, we kind of almost felt as if that was going to be the case anyway. But we were kind of just hoping maybe we could. I don't. I, I don't really know what we were thinking. Maybe we could go there before and just be there before she passed away. But uh, you know, he called. It was one of those kind of moments of just like you know you. you you don't know whether to have relief or whether it's like, you know, you're just upset or whatever, but it was in the moment and I was sitting in the car with Brittany and I was just like, well, you know, I guess we're going to go anyway. So we, uh, I got on the plane and I flew to Houston. Uh, the first plane ride was terrifying, absolutely terrifying because I have, I've been on a plane before, but it was when I was 14 and I flew to California. It was a crazy, well, I was, 15, I believe. And I flew to California. Crazy story. Completely irrelevant to what I'm talking about now. But just to let you know, I'm not well-versed in flying an airplane. Uh, so we, I fly to Houston and hold my breath the entire time in fear because apparently it was because it was a small plane as to why my uh, adventure was not quite as uh, luxurious as it could have been. But... We, not to mention it was the occasion of which I was flying. So, fly out to Houston, and when I get there, I'm, you know, kind of a little struck by the fact that I'm in a big-ass airport, and I don't really know what's going on. kind of felt like a little kid, if that makes sense. But I had a couple of bucks, so I did what most, you know, uh, tamed, domesticated, uh, addicts do and I went straight to uh, a bar <laughs> in the airport and I sat there and I drank beer which mind you I say domesticated I could still drink a few beers but or I could still put back a few without being completely lost in the sauce but 
as I said, my emotional uh, capacity at the time wasn't exactly like just like shot. You know, I, I was. It was a very unfortunate situation, but it was just you know still taking it in, if you will. So I wasn't trying to necessarily kill the pain, but in the same breath, there was a lot of stress and anxiety. So I was trying to catch me a little buzz. I digress. It's really not that big of a part of the story, but I sit there and you know two or three beers later, I'm like, well, Stephen's plane was supposed to land by now. But I'm looking outside, and the weather looks crazy, so I'm like, well, let me go ask someone before I sit over here and end up getting pissy and not even realizing it. Um, and then whenever I go and ask this lady, you know, whatever, well, come to find out my brother's airplane had been circling around the airport for uh, like an hour because they couldn't land because of the weather. So I'm like, okay, well, that sucks. Well... Here goes another hour goes by. Steven shows up, and then we've got about thirty minutes or so before his flight or before our next flight to Midland shows up. Eventually, it shows up, and we get on the plane. And you know, I got a pretty good buzz by that point in time. And the plane was a little bit bigger, so it was not quite as uh, turbulent, if you will. We get to Midland, and we end up having to wait there after we get off the plane. We wait there for about an hour and a half for my stepbrother and my stepdad to show up to pick us up. Mind you, they had an hour drive from where they were to pick us up. And I don't know what you know about Texas, but outside of the big cities, there is like like nothing. It's like or there's so there's so much more of like nothing than there is of something outside of the big cities, if that makes sense. So we're just riding. We're going out and this is like workersville. Like the people who, who are out there are people who are there to work. In my my from what I've observed on the experience there, uh, you know. So, and mind you, I hadn't seen my brother in a while. I don't think I've seen him since Christmas, and before then, it had been a while as well. Uh, he moved to Chicago uh, the beginning of last year or at the end of 2019. So it was cool to talk to him, catch up. Horrible, obviously horrible, horrible circumstances, but more. It, in this, later on in the story, I can explain to you a little bit better of how we got to ex- hang out and really have a good time together. But uh, so we're riding with them, and I'd never met my stepbrother before, and I only kind of know my stepdad, but I know him well enough. You know, like it, we, I've, I've met him a handful of times, and you know, he's he's a nice. They were both very nice people. They both are very nice people. So it wasn't like a miserable trip or anything. But uh, so we're riding through the night and. You know, we're going down. You would almost want to call it a highway, but it was it was a dirt road more or less. More or less going through these mass mass open fields. Well, after we get a good distance, I start to see it's in the middle of the night. It's like twelve thirty at night right now. I start to see these red lights flashing, like a shitload of them, like in the distance. And I'm like, "Yo, am I like like seeing things?" Because mind you. At the beginning of that day, I woke up at 4.30 to get up to go to work, to be at work at 6 at my job in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And now I'm on the other side of Texas going and seeing these red lights. And I'm like having a moment here, like thinking, I don't want to say anything because I really could just be losing my shit right now. And I've been drinking today, so. But then they said, can you see the lights on the windmills? And I was like, oh my god. I heard so much about the windmills in Texas during the uh, the, the blizzard, I guess. I, that's what you would call it. 
that came through there not too long ago, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is the windmills, which I'm sure they have them in other places in Texas, but at the time, I'm just like, oh my god, like, this is actual, the actual windmills. Mind you, the only time I had ever seen these before was when I was, like, a very young teenager traveling in a band, and it was like you saw, like, two or three of them out in a field somewhere, or, like, five or six of them. But this, there had to have been hundreds, a hundred plus out there. Like, it was just spread out across this vast, giant field, but you couldn't really see them. Like, we, once we got a little closer, you could see, like, one or two of them, but we weren't, we, we never went by them in the day. So it was bizarre. You watch these lights flash, and they all flash at one time. And I'm sure somebody who's listening has actually experienced this in real life more frequently than I have, but just to give you some perspective of, of, all of this stuff that happened concurrently. Uh, so, we finally get we get close to Tom's house. But before we get there, I'm like, let's stop and grab some beer. Because I don't know what it's what this night is going to, to entail. And plus, I mean, I'm just going to want to have some of these on retainer. <laughs> but, uh... So, which it... The night ended up not being bad or nothing like that, but obviously there's still a little bit of energy by the time we get where we're going. Um, we get there, we hang out, we talk for a little while, and just kind of you know take it take it in or whatever, taking the moment. And we're like, well, in the morning we're going to go to the funeral home and work out the arrangements. You know, we we ended up having uh, my mom cremated, and uh, you know. So we went to sleep and we woke up early the next morning. And of course, I had a bit of a hangover. But I took a shower and all that other good stuff and brushed my teeth and all that other good jazz. Not that any of y'all care about those minute details, but hey, it's just me today. So let me let me just say what I can say. Uh, so we, we pack up and go with some of Tom's family who it was interesting to meet some of them, which I feel like with the exception of his son – I had, I think I had maybe met them before when I was young and I went to visit, but I can't really remember. Uh, but it was so interesting to, to sit there and to talk with these people who knew so much about me and my brother, but we didn't really know them. And it was because, you know, my mom was obviously an important figure in their lives. My, my mom and my stepdad have been together for over 10 years. I mean, I think it's closer to like 14 or 15 years. Uh, and, uh... You know, whenever we got to the funeral home, it was one of those things where everybody kind of awkwardly gets in those kind of situations. I don't know if you've ever been where you're the fam a family member and you have to go and be a part of that type of stuff when it comes to a funeral. But it's not – like nothing is pleasurable about it. You know, the people the, – the funeral home directors and stuff, they try to be nice and, you know, they try to comfort you and all this other stuff. And it's like – I mean, and I weren't like touching on this or anything, but – they were kind of creepy. I'll get to that in a second, but it, it's not—it's not something that you, you want to do. I mean, I mean, nobody nobody wants to do it. So to find yourself in that scenario is kind of like, uh, well, let's just—we're here for the ride, and we have to do what we have to do, and say what we have to say, and try to be as transparent or po as possible with everyone. Not that there was anything to be super transparent about. Nobody had anything that they. Uh, didn't want to be done or we all agreed on all the things that we had to agree on so that was a, a plus you know my, my mom and my stepdad aren't exactly like the wealthiest people in the world they're you know my stepdad you could consider him a working class man but that you know simple man if you will simple people 
Um, so, you know, when we, we made the agreements and, you know, they signed papers and stuff like that. And <clears throat> then we went to go look at, you know, my mom and I guess tell her goodbye, if that makes sense. And, you know, we went and did that and it was a really emotional moment. All of us just kind of standing in there and, you know, tears and just, you know, it was very somber, a very somber moment, you know, to, to just see your, your, uh, your parent just laying there, uh, lifeless, you know, and it's one of those things like you could sit there and you could tell yourself, uh, well, she's moved on to whatever's next and, you know, she is, she doesn't have to be here anymore, you know, whatever's going on in this world, whatever it was that might have burdened her, the pain that she felt before passing, whether it be physically, emotionally, or anything of that, any pain of any caliber, it is gone now. I mean, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happens next. But you can only hope and imagine that whatever happens next is something a little bit more pleasant, at least more ex- exciting or adventurous, or maybe nothing at all. But nonetheless, you can assume that the pain is gone. And that was one thing that kind of helped me get through it. And that's something that's kind of helped me get through a lot of people that I've had in my life that have passed. You know, I'm not really big on funerals anymore. Uh, we had a friend who, we had a friend who passed away, uh, Elijah Hedden. He passed away in 2014, I believe. It was 2014. And it, that was tough. And after that, that funeral I'm not really even sure that I've been to another one since then honestly and it's not I mean if anything I would love to I want to be there for the family but I also know there's going to be plenty of people there for the families of people who pass and you know you spend a lot of time with people over the years and then you see them and they pass away and you just don't really I I don't know I'm not saying I'm against it I'm not saying I won't go to any funerals but I don't I don't strive to go to a funeral um but we didn't. There wasn't a funeral or anything. It was just us, the family, you know, telling, saying our goodbyes, and uh, and it was it was a, a tough moment. But in the same breath, it was kind of like the rest of the trip, where it's just like you're just kind of having to live and go going through the motions of what we were going through, the motions and the emotions. Uh, so we got out of there, and you know, rode back with my got to spend some time with my stepbrother and his fiance, and that was super cool. Like they're awesome young people to talk to and we got back to Tom's and everybody went back to their hotel room and we sat there with Tom and you know Steven went through uh some old photos and got some old photos from you know mom had held on to since we were kids and I'm I'm quite sure he had a few moments going through that and uh you know I kicked back and drank me a couple of beers watched tv and you know talked to Tom Tom went and took a nap we hung out whatever and then everybody came back over and we ate dinner and we watched the uh Mississippi State game and it was just, you know, very odd. I mean, me and Stephen were both very out of place to an extent because we didn't really know any of these people further than just a couple of hanging outs with Tom. Um but like I said, these people knew us and they were very kind, you know, it was nobody it wasn't no kind of uh no reason for any kind of animosity but there wasn't nothing like that like it wasn't wasn't nothing crazy it was it was a good time and i'm pretty sure i fell asleep before 12 that night and but we had to get up the next morning really early 
Now, reason being is because I, I could have jumped on a plane and went to Houston and flew back to Laurel or Jackson, but it would have costed Stephen a significant amount of money to in order to send me back that way. So instead, what we did was we woke up that morning and Tom brought me and Stephen to the airport in Midland, back to the airport in Midland. Uh, our flight was at 6 o'clock, I believe. So if you can imagine how early we had to get up and drive an hour and a half down the dirt road where the the amazing, immaculate experience at 5 o'clock in the morning, we're looking at these windmills again. And that's to me, that's nuts. Like, it's just a crazy... That was a crazy part of my, my journey, if you will. Uh, so we go and we get on a plane and we fly out to Houston. And when we get to Houston, we, our next flight is at 9.30 or something of that caliber, or 10 o'clock or something. And then uh, after we hang out in Houston for a minute, uh, get some breakfast, drink a beer. <laughs> I drank a beer. Stephen did not. Uh, we flew from Houston to Chicago. Now, I've been to Chicago before, but I've never been to Chicago like this before. Like I've been, I used to go to Chicago when we played music. We went there a couple of times, like in the different times I was traveling with different people. But I was going to Chicago, and my flight was supposed to leave out at nine o'clock the next morning. So I had this. We pretty much went from, you know, and we went and we flew to Chicago, got to the airport, and uh, Stephen's girlfriend came and picked us up, and we, you know, went and we lived a little bit of life for uh, a little while. Uh, on the way back to his apartment, we uh, stopped at this thing that is uh, exclusive in specific states. I can't remember how many. It's a, it is a, a building where you can uh, legally experience things, and that was pretty cool. Uh, and then we went back to his apartment, and we hung out and changed clothes. And, uh, and this is before lunch. It's not even lunch yet uh, when we finally get to his apartment. And then we load out get up in his car and we're going through chicago uh we're riding and we park the car and then we walk a little bit or we eat lunch yeah i guess you could call it lunch uh and then we go look for these bikes uh in chicago i imagine in bigger cities they have these bikes that are lift was the people who provided them uh in this place but and you rent them, and they're like self-propelled bikes. So you can like you have to pedal, but they pretty much drive themselves more or less. Uh, I mean, you drive them, but they they propel themselves more or less. Uh, and you know, I'm tired, but it's very comforting to know that these bikes are self-propelled. So I don't have to sit there and actually like do a bunch of work because, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm uh my alcohol level was a little bit uh filled up not i wasn't wasted or anything but it was you know i was just kind of tired <laughs> i had a long emotional and physically draining uh few two days uh and then we ended up on this path and so now here we are on the the beach of lake michigan in chicago and uh it's 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 crazy to me like because lake michigan you look across it and it looks like there is it looks like there is a what's the word like it it looks like an ocean like you almost can't you can't see the other side from where we were like and if you could I couldn't I mean I'm blind as it is but 
we get on these bikes and we start riding a little bit and I couldn't tell you the specific area but we're riding up the the uh the little bike path on the coast right there and everything in the city is is made for where you you're, you can ride a bike like it's all like uh it's integrated in such a way to where people can ride bikes in this you know landscape in which is a cityscape uh urban central uh whatever i don't really know what you would call it but it is a big city that would be the my terminology and uh we're riding these bikes, man, and, and it was something about it. It was kind of freeing. Like once I got realized I wasn't going to just run into people, uh, it was kind of freeing a little bit. You know, like I was like, man, this feels good. Like just the wind in my face, and you know, just you know, having my my moment there. But and you know, you're going. There's all these people down here doing things, and you know, they got bars over here, they got restaurants over here, little stores, and uh, right here where we get on the bikes is kind of right next to like a dock where there's a shitload of boats out here. So it's like it's like a marina, I think that's what that's called. But so we're riding, but then we ride for like five minutes, and the next thing you know, we're on an actual beach where there is like people in the water swimming and what have you. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. And it's like you, you go and you're going over these bridges and it's like there's people riding their bikes and walking and jogging. And they're just like – it. it's so filled with life. Like it's just teeming with life. Like just people are just living and just doing things. Like now I'm going to pause the story for a second because I, I want you to understand my perception as I'm taking all this in. You guys have heard me be incredibly hyperbolic at times about how – the country has fallen apart. Now, I'm not saying that it's not. But something to me that was actually very eye-opening and almost kind of like a slap-in-the-face moment was like, for a second there, I was thinking, how are these people not like concerned about like the impending doom that we're facing as a society? And it's like, I don't know if it's they don't have time to think about that kind of stuff or if they just don't care. I think that it, a lot of it boils down to people just not being that knowledgeable or worried about that kind of stuff because at least up until this point i mean what we, we every time we think something really terrible is going to happen in the world or in the country it doesn't or it gets postponed you know it's like and it's like okay well we're all still clearly clearly that city is a thriving city you know what i'm saying and you you know according to a bunch of people's voices like that, I'm not. I mean, I'm not putting people's business on Front Street, but a handful of the people that I talk to there, they don't give a shit about their mayor either. <laughs> you know, like and I, I know some of y'all don't even know nothing about the mayor of Chicago, but like it's like they, they're like, no, she's kind of a crazy broad, but who cares? You know, like who, whatever, it doesn't, whatever. She's just crazy, no big deal. Like it's not causing any imminent threat to us. Anyway, I was I was shocked. I was shocked because I was like, man, it's not. Like, obviously there's chaos in places, but, you know, it's not everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not every single place. It's not just, you know, like burn it to the ground chaos. Uh, clearly not where I was. Clearly not in the area of town where I In the area of the country or the area of the city, area of the town where I was, nobody was worried about chaos. I didn't see cops out there doing nothing crazy. I didn't see citizens out there doing nothing crazy like it was just people were just living and it was a normal a normal day in Chicago uh so carrying on we're riding and we're riding on this long strip there's people sitting there listening to their iPhone listening to their music sitting there reading people just casually out and about just enjoying the city 
are enjoying the view of uh, Lake Michigan. So I, I just I go full speed, man. Like I just take off, just pedaling the bike as fast as I can, just just going as fast as I can. I have my hair down, just riding, just like man, this is amazing. Like just taking it, taking in this moment, and it's like. I go from feeling like I'm in like this movie or something, but like it goes further than that though, because mind you, like I said, I mean, I, I'm, I am, uh, I am inebriated a little bit. I'm also a little bit elevated. So it's one of those things where it's like, but not so much to the point where it's like, ah, oh, everything's a blur. It's like just enough to be able to just like enhance everything around me. And then, you know, we turn around and we go back to the other side of the dock where they have, like, this museum, you know, back the way we came. After we get all down here, and I'm just like, man, this is, like, fucking, like, I'm taking all of this in at once. And we go back to where this museum is, and it's like, the further we go, there's less and less people. And on the other side of this museum, like, we're still riding and stuff, and riding. And on the other side of this museum, there is a bird sanctuary. Now, it's like an outdoor seagull or something like whatever type of sanctuary and as we go around it's like there's there's nobody there like there's nobody and we're just riding this path and it's all super stretched out like you can see really far away and it's just this field of this bird sanctuary on the side of lake michigan and the grass changes like the weeds change everything around the whole the whole structure of everything changes and as i'm riding this trail through this tall grass it feels like I'm in like an anime or something like I'm I feel like I'm like living out in like to, my neighbor Totoro or or spirited away or like one of those old things like this music's just playing in my head like dun dun uh, uh, like it's just so whimsical but like in the same breath I also feel like I'm in like a yellow card music video like I've explained this to a few people since I've gotten home, but like I really, there's really no way to put into words the way that I felt. Like in my head, I'm like looking behind me and I see these tall city, this tall city skyscrapers and all this crazy stuff. And I'm riding through this bird sanctuary on this self-propelled bike where it's in a place where it's legal to smoke weed, like and not even like openly frowned upon, like like just whatever all these different things and at 4 30 this morning i was in the middle of nowhere texas and two days before that i was at home with my wife and my child like it was it was it was like i'm not i don't want to just say that it was like oh it was such an awesome thing because i don't think that you i don't want to say that it was I don't want to say that it was good or it was bad because I mean I would never say that it was bad because it was one of these moments that made me feel like I was just I just existed like the and you just just seeing how big and vast of a difference it was from here to there all in one day like how did how can this be I don't know like I'm I'm not saying how can this be in a bad way or or in a good way I'm just saying like I'm not trying to be repetitious or anything, but it it really was like I was living out some like I felt like I had become a spirit of the sort, and I just was. I guess that's where maybe the term free spirited comes from. People free spirit, they go with the wind, you know. They they're happy as can be by just floating through you know existence and just being a part of what there is. And I, I don't know, like it was a very 
you know, very uh, eye-opening experience. Just taking it. Just I really was just trying to. I guess I wasn't even trying to, but I was taking it all in for what it was. Like that was an experience, you know, altogether. So far up until this point was something that I had never experienced before in my life. Like I had never felt the way that I felt. You know, like. And you know how it is also whenever you've had a really, really emotional, you know, uh, experience happen, like you, you just kind of feel drained and it's like, you just feel like you want to give up, not give up permanently, but you just want to give in. Like that would be a better way to put it. And I did, like, I just gave in to what this experience beheld and, you know, we ended up riding the bikes back after we had our little moment out there and, you know, rode around and, um, just kind of you know took it in and we went to ride into the city because we're like well let's ride the bikes back to where we uh we parked the car because initially we had rode a lift down to the from where we parked the car over or uh, an uber or lift whatever we rode that to the uh the the beach if you will and to where the bikes were we're like, well, we'll just ride the bikes back. Steve was like, yeah, it'd be easier and it'd be fun. You know, let's just do that. It'd be easier than just trying to get an Uber. Well, I think he might have said it might have been a little cheaper than getting an Uber. But uh, anyway, so uh, Jordan, Steven's girlfriend, she took the lead to get us back to where the car was. But we ended up going the wrong way, which, you know, was fine the way it turned out because, you know, as we're riding, you know, I'm like, okay, they're, they're like, well, you think you'll be good to ride on the street? And I'm like, you know, fuck it. Let's, let's roll. Let's roll. You know, I just had this moment where I just was free as the, the fucking wind blows, taking in everything and just, you know, man, you know, just really with, within myself, beside myself, I guess. Um, and then we found ourselves, you know, going through these streets, you know, stopping at the stoplights. And like I said, everything in the city is integrated to where you can ride bikes and what have you. Um, and then we get to, uh, this road where we're, our street where we're traveling up and I'm noticing that there's like more bars and stuff and it's like more like athletic, like sports bars and stuff like that. And they have more patios. I'm like, oh, well this kind of looks like the side of town where people like to party, which I mean, it's the city. So I'm sure that people party in a lot of different places, but I'm like, this looks like a place where people like to party. And we come around this corner, and the very first thing that I see, uh, right on the other side of this corner, I look, and it looks like these gates to this fucking, like, you know, some big-ass gates, like uh, like crazy-looking shit. And I look up, man, and it is Wrigley Field. We rode our bikes and accidentally pulled up on Wrigley Field, and I almost shit a brick like total change of mood and then it turned to straight excitement mind you i'm not like a big baseball fan i'm not a big cubs fan uh but i'm not against those i'm not against baseball or the cubs but just not that into it but i was like holy shit i was like now this right here i know for a fact is like an incredible piece of history like i mean obviously lake michigan's a big deal but the rest of it i wasn't too attached to it because i didn't know anything about any of that other stuff when i saw wrigley field i was like oh my god i was like what the hell which i mean i think really the reason why it was so shocking was because this entire trip on the way to chicago i never once thought about the cubs i never once thought about wrigley field but then once we got there i was like holy shit i was like this is this is Wrigley Field. I know it sounds dumb, but when you get there, you're like, man, this is like a this is a piece of history right here. You know, like this is and everybody know has heard of Wrigley Field. 
if you haven't heard Wrigley Field, which I guess there might be some people, it's where the Cubs play. But it's also been there for forever. I mean, I don't remember when it came to be, but it's been there for a long time. Seen it in plenty of movies, seen it on TV. Uh, but whenever we got there and I had my little moment, and I'm like, yo, we're riding beside it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, holy shit. Steven was like, yo, fuck this. We have got so far to go, we are just calling an Uber. So then we got an Uber back to the, the car, uh, and we went back to the apartment, and we chilled. And we hung out there, and we fell asleep, and it was a great night. Uh, woke up the next morning, went to go take my flight. I'm gonna kind of brush through the rest of this story. Went through, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't think it's customs, but whatever it is, TSA, blah blah blah, and sat down, and my flight got pushed back, and then my flight got pushed back again, and at that point, it got to where because I was gonna have a layover in Atlanta, it got to the point where I was gonna have to get picked up in Jackson at like 11:30 at night. Now, mind you. It would not have bothered me. I have a few friends in Jackson. I probably could have called them and went and stayed the night and got Brittany to come get me the next morning. But rather than going through all the trouble of doing that because my phone would – the charger I had for my phone, which I could have bought another one, but I just didn't. It charges my phone incredibly slow, and my phone was not charged, and it was just one of these things where it was like I'm not – I'm going to have to get to Jackson to figure out what I'm going to do. Or to tell my wife what's going on at 11.30 at night. And rather than having to do all that, Stephen just came back and picked me up. And I took the next a flight the next morning. That day, the rest of that day while we were in Chicago, we hung out for a little while. Goofed off. We went and ate some pizza. Uh, and we went and ate this pizza, pizza by the slice. And it was, you could buy a slice of pizza. You get a shot of Jameson and a 16-ounce uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. For $8. For $8, you get a big-ass slice of pizza, a shot of Jameson, and you get a 16-ounce Pabst Blue Ribbon. Now, if they had something like that in Mississippi, we would be in a bind. I'm just saying. I mean, they probably they might have that, actually, somewhere. But I'm just saying, if they had that next door to my house, I would be in a bind. Uh, which would be crazy. They don't even sell alcohol where I live. But uh, I digress. Um, we went and saw some of our friends... Um, Kodasaya and uh, Trevor and Trevor's uh, lady um, and we went and checked out their art studio where it's like a, an art warehouse like an art facility if you will uh, there's some friends uh, Trevor is from Mississippi he used to play music with Steven and well, we actually used to be in a band together too called Knuckles Up if any of you guys know what Knuckles Up is then kudos because I don't know how many of y'all have been around that long but I used to be in a hardcore band called Knuckles Up. Anyway, I digress. Uh, and that was cool, too. You know, we went and hung out on the rooftop, drank a couple of beers in the rooftop of their warehouse, which was on a different different piece of Chicago. This might not have been quite as, uh, well, I don't want to say gentrified, but might not have been as uh, pleasant of a side of town as where uh, we weren't at O-Block or anything, but, uh, you know. It was a little bit, you know, easy, cheaper rent for sure. <laughs> but uh, but it was cool. We didn't have any problems or nothing, you know, no issues. It was good talking to them. It was good catching up, you know, having conversations about the state of the world without being too, uh, you know, you know, back and forth. You know, I, I can be I can be a little bit much sometimes, but that wasn't that kind of conversation. It wasn't that kind of talk, you know, and that was good because I know that we don't 
all see eye to eye, and especially with you know my compadres that live up there. You know, it's a little bit different. They have a little bit uh, different views, but it was good. It was nice. It was great to socialize with them. It was great to hear what they had going on, and because um, they got a lot going on up there. And you know, even with Stephen and Jordan, got a lot going on up there. And went back home, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, jumped on a plane, uh, flew to Atlanta. Sat there for about two hours and then uh, flew to Jackson where my wife picked me up and I went and ate some uh, at Logan's in Jackson and then only because it was not too far from the airport and then I came home. Um, and that was that was that week. That was on Friday whenever I came home. So from from Monday to Friday, I had gone from Laurel, well, the Laurel Hattiesburg Airport to Houston to Midland to Big Lake back to Midland back to Houston to Chicago from Chicago to Atlanta and from Atlanta to Jackson back home in Purvis uh, within the that the confines of those days and you know obviously there's more nuance and intricate details of the way that I was feeling emotionally and the way that I felt emotionally and the way that, you know, uh, that, that trip went every little piece and little pattern of that trip. I took in a lot differently than I've taken in anything in the past 10 years. Um, I don't want to say it made me feel like I was a kid again because it was real adult experiences and real adult emotions. And, you know, but it was just one of those things just like, it, the way, the best way that I can think to explain it, and I, I've I actually posted a picture, and the the best thing, I could, the best caption I could come up with was bittersweet. You know, my mom passing is very unfortunate, and it is it, it's sad, and it's you know it, it's a lot to take in. It's something that probably six months from now, I will probably actually come to a true revelation of what has happened. You know. The, an untimely demise is not something that anyone ever wants to deal with and I'm sure that all of you have at least experienced this or you know someone who has experienced this whether it be a family member or a close friend or you know someone that means something important to you like an untimely demise is not something that anybody is ever just like ultimately okay with there's always something where it's going to come back and you're like damn like are you deal with in the moment and I don't necessarily I don't I, I'm not uh I'm not uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not vain enough to say that uh, oh, it doesn't bother me or like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. But I would be lying to you if I said that it, it impacted me in the way that most people would when they lose a parent. Uh, but I think it, I think that it will one day. Like I think that it, I'll have to deal with that differently at a different time, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, come what may, I guess, if you will. But uh, – my mom was a good woman. She was really sweet. A lot of you guys uh, reached out and, you know, sent your condolences and your regards, and, and I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, she, she, was, she was a good woman. You know, she, she lived, a, she lived a, a decent life. She experienced a lot of things in her life, and she had good friends and good family, especially the last, you know, I'd say the last third of her, last quarter of her life. She was very happy. The man she was with, she was very happy to be with, and... Uh, you know, a lot of you people, you, you probably only care so much, but this is my show, so I can talk about whatever I want. <laughs> but uh, I digress. I'm just I'm just kidding in the content of the context of what I just said. I really can, but I'm just saying I know that to some of you, 
you don't really care to hear about my deceased mother. But I'm just telling you that that played a part in what has transpired since episode 50 that I did with my brother, who my mom got to listen to the episode three days before she passed, or two days before she passed. So it's just one of those things. It was a weird, weird experience, weird conglomerate of uh, things to happen and transpire. But it is what it is, and here we are. I'm back home. Went back to work last week. It was weird when I got there. This next day I was there, it was back in full function. You know, it, it, the bosses were cool about everything. All of the people that I've, you know, in, in contact with on a regular basis, whether it be within work, with the family, or whatever it be, doing stuff with the podcast or the radio or doing stuff with music, everyone has been super, super kind, and I, I can't thank everyone enough. I literally can't thank everyone because I couldn't go, couldn't even imagine going back and thanking everyone after spending that week while everyone was sending their condolences. I, 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 I it made it a lot easier to deal with. I did not feel alone, and it was, you know, I mean, I deal with things the same as anyone else, and. I will say that I appreciate that. That's where I was, all of that to say I appreciate everyone for reaching out and, you know, it's all love. I mean, you know, I'm, ta- I'm going to take the love that I have found in my life and the love that my mom gave me when I was younger and when I, as I got older and the love that she had for my son and I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to continue to use that and pile it on with what I, the energy that I already have with the things that I do creatively, including this podcast. I, uh, it's a weird episode 51, but in the same breath, this is a story that I wanted to get on record, and I figured why not give it to you guys. I literally have grown up, more or less, and I have literally put everything on the table on social media or in music or on podcast or personal experiences and relationships i'm pretty much on front street forever so this is one of those things where here i am just telling this story documenting it and putting it out and if nothing else it'll be something to go back and listen to later um you know i've said it before i don't know if i've ever said it on here but one good thing about this podcast is in the event that it is still thriving and beyond what I could, my expectations, whenever my son gets older, he can go back and listen to this, and he can he can know and possibly understand two things. There is more depth to his father than just having than just being his father, and you know, being an asshole or being a, a, a super nice pushover or whatever it is that I grow to be, but. But he'll know that there's more depth. There's more nuance to the story, not exclusively to me, but to to men and you know women and people in general. If you were there and you got to see and you got to hear and you got to experience all the things that someone saw, heard, experienced, learned from, then you would have a different perception of that person. Like there's so many people who will who only know me because of say my Facebook statuses. That sucks. I mean, to an ex- in my opinion, like it sucks if you only know me because of my Facebook statuses, because you probably just think I'm a con- contrarian prick who consistently, solely wants to just stir the pot. Now, mind you, I don't mind stirring the pot every now and then. I used to be a lot worse about it, but now, I, I mean, I, I, it's almost like I have this strong desire to just make people think, a strong desire to make myself think too, because I'm I put my foot in my mouth a lot too. Not exclusively on Facebook, but just in general. Um, 
but you know, I digress. Hopefully, he can learn that his father has some nuance, and that there's a whole. He's I lived an entire life before he got here, and you know, the second thing he'll learn is that his dad cusses a lot more when he cussed a lot more before he was of age to understand what the fuck I was saying. So, um, but yeah, so hell yeah. I don't really know how to end that, you know, but I, 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 once again, I appreciate you guys for listening to the podcast. If you've made it this far, then that's awesome. Uh, this is clearly going to be a shorter episode than usual. And probably later this week, I'm going to, uh, put out an episode with somebody and then we'll come back with another new episode Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday. I'm going to go ahead and make the plug. If you guys want to donate anything to the podcast, uh, trying to raise some money and some funds right now to get some things going, um, Really, I'm working on trying to get another microphone, but I want to get to where I can have a uh, I can sustain paying my internet bill and for my accounts. So ultimately, what I want to do is I want to get to where I can start making. If we can profit a hundred dollars a month off of this podcast, then that's a hell of a great start. Now, honestly, what it would really take is ten people paying ten dollars a month. But I don't have any kind of system to where I can make you guys automatically rip your money out. So, if you want to donate to this podcast, Organic Poison on Cash App, that's uh, Poison with one O. That's P-O-I-S-N, Organic Poison with no second O. Or PayPal.com slash Shane is O. That's S-H-A-N-E-I-S-O. Uh, the email for that is shaneearlo at gmail.com s-h-a-n-e-e-a-r-l-o as in oval at gmail.com there's no obligation for you guys to send money but if you made it this far and you've happened to listen to other episodes by all means a dollar, two dollars, a thousand it doesn't matter but honestly more important than that is continue to listen to the show tell your friends, share the show you don't have to share this episode but there's plenty of other episodes to go back and listen to. There's plenty of plenty of content, great conversations that I've had with some great people. I've had some conversations with some shitty people, well, Tim, and I've had uh, you know, a lot. I've had a lot of good talks with people on here. And we talked a lot of shit as well. I mean, we we've this has been such a great experience for me, and I've expressed that on many episodes before, and I will probably express it express it many episodes in the future. I'm really looking forward to the few guests that I have already lined up to come on the show, and I can't wait to have those conversations with y'all, and y'all get to hear them. Uh, I seriously, you know, I'm, I'm, we got a couple more things we want to roll out. I've already talked about it on the show, but I'm going to tell y'all again. There is a show on August 7th in Macomb. It is going to be a rap show, and... We're going to set the motherfucker on fire. Not literally. So please, do not take that literal. But we're going to raise a significant amount of hell, and we're doing it as a fundraiser for the... They have started a new youth theater program that's open to the public, and we are going to not only raise money for that, but we're going to raise awareness for that. We're going to get all of you bastards lit about helping your community. That is what we've got to do these days because, hey... If not us, then who? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying we all just got to go and donate all of our paychecks to this shit. I'm just saying we got to start changing our mindset about how we're going to make things better. I'm, I am just as guilty of talking about the negative hyperbolic bullshit all the time. I'm probably not going to stop anytime soon. But it's not going to hurt for me to dedicate some time to let's, let's try to do something for the fucking kids, man. As cheesy as it sounds, I say it all the time. It's for the kids, man. In reality, we really got to start doing something more for the kids. 
So we're going to start by that. That's how I'm going to start. And me and the other guys that are getting on the show with me, and it's going to be awesome. And I hope that you guys come out because uh, it's going to be a good time. I mean, or it might just be uh, me and the other performers there, but it will still be a good time. Um, I digress, as usual. Thank you guys for tuning in to Organic Poison. And uh, we'll be back in the next couple of days, back to the regularly scheduled programming. And uh, if you're listening on Deviant Behavior Radio, um, don't forget that Toxic comes out Thursdays, 9 p.m. on Deviant Behavior Radio. I'm going to be spinning some sick tunes and talking about some trendy shit and uh, taking questions and goofing off. We're going to have a good time on there, too. That's going to be fun. So uh, thank you guys so much. I can't. I seriously can't thank you enough. And uh, yeah, we're gonna keep the ball rolling, keep the energy high, and uh, yeah, tell your motherfucking friends I got a podcast. Make them listen to this shit. And if they're not listening to this, make them listen to something that's gonna make them better. Feel good about this episode.